live and pre-recorded. This is the Ben Ticket News Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on August 1st, MLB trade deadline. In fact, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, you can always listen to the show and, and any of the other shows in the past on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. Today we have our old friend Simon from Yonkers on the podcast talk a little bit about what happened with the trade deadline in baseball in the New York area. The Yankees making tons of moves. The Mets even made a move too. They joined in said, hey, 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 we're here. Uh, give us attention. Uh, a, l- a little split on the trade in uh, Mets, Mets land. Yankees cleaning house, what they needed to do. So let's talk to Simon and everything else. <laughs> so we welcome in our old friend of the podcast, Simon and Yonkers. And Simon, I think before we start, I think we need to give a uh, you know a standing ovation. I don't know if you're standing or not; doesn't matter. But to Brian Cashman for getting rid of dead weight, right? Correct, right? Clap, yes. Oh, absolutely. He chopped it and he threw it into the water. Bye, Ivanova. Hope to never see you again. <laughs> and there's two questions I have to ask you. The first one is, is Justice Sheffield related to Gary Sheffield? Yes, he is. Okay. He's his nephew. <laughs> and the second one is, uh, where were you when you found out Tyler Clippard was coming home? Uh, oh, my God. Well, first of all, I was actually in church saying in Ovina that he would come back. <laughs> and then <laughs> Congratulations. Lord, hear our prayer. Oh, man. Yeah, Yankee Clippard. Uh, so happy to have him back aboard. How lucky is he, though? He gets to come home to his old homes, like, you know, back to back. He can go back to the, the Mets today and then the Yankees just in a few days. I mean, what a homecoming. I mean, good good for him. Yeah, no, it definitely when you're out in uh, Arizona, when it's 120 degrees and you got a rattlesnake biting you on the ankle, it, it's actually nice to come back to the South Bronx and like the auto junkyards outside of Flushing Queens. You know? <laughs> All right. So like we said, the Yankees have gotten rid of a ton of dead weight. And right now their new team is sort of playing against the Mets. Uh, the Mets are up one nothing. Not that it matters by the time anyone listens to this. But uh, what do you think? Let's look at a whole here. Do, do, do you share my uh, ovation for Brian Cashman, what he's done with all the crap that he's gotten rid of? Uh, yes, there's absolutely no way to look at it, except that he totally turned the farm system from a middle of the pack wing and a prayer guys in low A into one of the best systems in the league. He took undisputably two best prospects. Uh, one of them, you said Gary's nephew, Justice Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> OK, folks, by the way, they're not related, but it just uh, it, it seemed to go on and on on Twitter with a ton of people that just could not figure it out. But I think for the record, I believe that they are not related, correct? And uh, Frazier from Cleveland. Uh, right. Frazier is actually a MLB, very near MLB ready bat in AAA. He's very atypical of the usual Yankee prospect that's always, you know, 18, 19. You know, you have to hope that they stay healthy and stay productive. He's a guy that could actually slide into the lineup next year. Um, and if you look at what they got for Chapman, uh, uh, Gleyber Torres. He's a shortstop, and everybody says, well, you already have a shortstop ahead of him and Mateo and Didi. It's never bad to have talent. You could use him as a piece in a trade for Chris Sale or whomever in the offseason, or he could slide to third or to second. Uh, having all these guys is not a bad thing to have. And it's not just the quantity of the prospects. It's the quality. They, they, they have seven top 100 MLB prospects right now, and there was never a time in the last 25 years that you could say that. So he essentially turned two relievers and a half a season of Beltran into 
probably uh, the next core of the successful Yankee group. So there's absolutely nothing bad you can say about Cashman. Yeah, that's what that's what I think. I think some people are, uh, like you said, some people are complaining. Well, they, they already have Mateo there. Well, these are chips. This is like investing in a stock. You know, I mean, you're, you're getting this, and then you can sell the stock when you want to. I mean. Uh, what he's done is amazing. Uh, I think a, what we hear every year is get rid of Girardi, get rid of Cashman. If there's no World Series uh, winner, but you know, it, you have to say to Cashman now, this is this is an amazing job. And he had some uh, he had some harsh words for the the current team or the once former New York Yankees. Said uh, you're not a playoff team if you can't beat the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, so he just said that before the game. So. Channeling fucking George Steinbrenner right there, the old, which is absolutely, which is right. What are you going to do? Pat them on the head for being at 500 after the all-star break. It's, it's done. It's time to break up the group. And the fact that he got eight guys for what essentially amounted to a bunch of crap that you weren't going, they're all great ball players, but the guys that had no use on a rebuilding team is probably his best job as a GM. And I always thought he's been a great GM as far as trades go. His free agent record is a lot more spotty. You can go into the Pavano. And the yeah, yeah, his pitching day. his pitching record in the free agency is just uh, abysmal. And, and also, the team draft record, uh, they haven't really produced a whole lot out of their number one picks over the years. Even now, um, the guys from the 13 draft, Ty Hensley, he's out. Uh, Ian Clarkin just went down with a torn meniscus. He's done for the year. They, they haven't done a great job of actually developing their own talent. I don't think it's the worst thing to pluck other good talent from other organizations. Um, it's like I said, the Yankees <laughs> couldn't develop shit if you gave them a laxative. And that's absolutely <laughs> true. There, there's absolutely. <laughs> it's been a long time. You're right. Thinking about, man, wow. Cano, that that class of people. Other than that, like, and that wasn't even that many. Man, yeah. I'm trying to think who, who who on the team right now Gardner Gardner is one they do a great job of developing relievers all yeah. those power arms out of the back of the bullpen like Dave Robertson um even even what you saw with Rumbelo Goody Pinder the guys that they have some are hurt they they do a good job of getting those guys in the late rounds of drafts and catchers too catchers yeah. whether it was Montero Sanchez Romine, they do a good job building up the middle there, but everywhere else is bare. They, they haven't produced a middle of the order bat in God knows how long or uh, top of the rotation guy. I know Kennedy and Hughes went on to greener pastures, but they're still, you know, not what they could have been or should have been here. So, you know, you go out there, you poach some talent from uh, the Cubbies and the Indians, and you hope it all goes well. You, you talked about Clint Frazier, and uh, it's it's always awkward to see grown men, uh, whether they're affiliated with baseball or just uh, Joe Schmoes on Twitter, get all excited about a young man's body. It's it's kind of a creepy oh, yeah, meat market that's just I, – I, I don't know. I always feel awkward when people are like, yeah, he's got uh, – you should see the calves on him. He's uh, He's got some big arms, that jet red hair. It sounds like some sort of like Tinder profile uh, outside of a, you know, a baseball player. But he had to get his hair cut because that was a big deal um, because you know he's part of the Yankees now. When uh, completely out of out of the box question here, when are the Yankees going to get rid of that that rule? It's it's ridiculous. I would have to think sometime in the next ten years. It's got to end, right? They, they, there's nothing that really brings me to believe that they would actually do it. But if it would be probably say 2023, let's call it. 
I almost feel like they're hanging on to it just because that's their rule. Like, they don't even believe in it anymore. It's just like, yeah, that's our rule, so we're sticking to it. Well, yeah, they also had a rule about no visible tattoos, but then once CC Sabathia was a free agent and AJ Burnett, they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. You guys, you guys are good, so yeah, we'll let you slide. That's uh, the same thing. Somebody will make a hair stand one day. That's true. That's true. Somebody's going to say, I, I just won't cut my hair, and the Yankees will do nothing about it. They'll be like, all right, well, there, there goes that policy. Yeah, because yeah, he, he actually uh, – the, the, the funny picture on Twitter was you know someone was about to cut his hair, and then I read something from one of the, the baseball you know big source guys. They love their sources. Saying that uh, he, he contacted uh, the Yankees, and he understands their, their, their policy, yet there's still a lot of hair there. So maybe it's lessening. I mean here we are in the podcast talking hair, right? I know. Well, look at Donnie Baseball. He got benched, yeah, and he's true. also in Monument Park. I mean, so they, they don't mess around. Yeah. But so since somebody's going to force the issue in the next couple of years, it's a stupid policy. It's completed, you see, at this point. It's just – because you could have a mohawk. You could have all these other stupid haircuts. Like, well, if somebody has something down to the shoulder, I mean, you know. Gamel, too. I think Gamel had some – golden locks well, he's in the uh, lineup tonight doesn't he? yeah is he in the lineup I, I know he got called up i don't think no he's not in the lineup tonight but i know he's got some uh like like blonde surfer hair he's got something going on it's got a little flip going to it it's gorgeous the yankees are uh, worried about like are they they're gonna like corrupt the youth or something I, I i don't i don't get it man i don't know i think it's it's like the footloose parents it's just you know <laughs> it's, it's very stuffy there's no dancing in the, in the clubhouse you don't know that you don't know that um Let's see. Uh, we're going to go – well, Beltron, obviously, that, that was like the last piece today with uh, Beltron being traded. And we all knew it was going to happen. Even uh, even Beltron said it. He's like after, after they got you know smoked by the Rays, he goes, eh, I had a feeling something was going to happen. And he, he then gave out the customary when I really like the team. Yeah, I'd, I'd be open to signing there in the offseason, which – you know, you could put that almost at zero because uh, it usually never happens. Am I wrong? Does that happen? Am I missing a time when that happened? I don't think so. I can remember more times when it didn't happen. Yeah, okay. Like John Lester. Remember John Lester was a lock. Oh, yeah. Lester. All the Red Sox yeah. fans were like, yeah, it's cool. Just go to Oakland, man. He'll be right back here in, in, in spring yeah. training. It's cool. Uh, I don't know why would any, anybody would want Beltran back anyway. Uh, he's going to be 40 next year. And they actually locked out because I thought the Yankees were going to give him the qualifying offer, thinking that he would decline it and they'd get the pick or something like that. Except then he would accept it, and then he would be making seventeen million. His knees would go out. Just, just be lucky that he's what he, you got. What you got out of him, and he played very well this season. He was one of the only entertaining guys to watch in the lineup. You got last year's number four overall pick, who uh, a lot of people aren't very high on, but you know, for half season of Beltran, it's a good return. Uh, plus, they got two other guys. So, uh, thanks for the season, Carlos. Uh, please don't come back. Uh, yeah. we're, we're good here. <laughs> what What if they offered him, like, a one-year deal next year for, like, $10 million? I, I still wouldn't want him back. It's just, it, they have such an army of outfielders at AAA and AA. They got more outfielders than they know what to do with. I just, it, there, there's no point to bringing back Beltran, especially if you're still going to be in the quote-unquote rebuilding I don't know what the team's going to look like next year. And also they have Judge. Don't forget that. That's true. So you would have Judge theoretically taking over right. And he's going to get some at-bats in September as a little bit of a showcase. But even if Judge went down with an injury or struggled, they still have so many options. There's no reason to bring back Beltran. He's such so one-dimensional. He's a bat and nothing else. And they have enough one-dimensional guys on the team. Here, here's the thing with Judge. I don't watch any AAA games. Um 
is it he seems too big to play the outfield i mean I, again i don't know shit about putting together a player or anything like that i just you don't see outfielder six eight shouldn't he be playing first base that just maybe that's just the old school like i'm a wfan caller thinking i know baseball just because that's the way it is bullshit but isn't he too big he's gonna fall or hurt something right I think eventually he's going to be a guy that would be moved to first base. And like I said, I know nothing. I'm not Judge's, you know, mother. I don't, I don't know what, he, what his insane his waist Breaking. is or anything. But I think uh, he could end up developing a bad knee or something, just being that size and roaming the outfield. That's what I mean. And, but you would have to be able to hit homers be that corner position guy where you're belting 30 a year you know what i mean yeah so that that other guy that, that you were talking about how they got in the beltron deal the number four pick in the draft last year dylan tate I, I believe that's his name yes uh he struggled a lot this year he's only 18 19 years old but he had a era in the fives and single a uh yeah a lot a lot, a lot of yankee fans upset about that i guess they think that people immediately are great at that age i think uh i thought it was a pretty good deal i don't care it's, i mean you, you get rid of beltron and you may you've got the fourth pick in the mlb draft last year i still think that's good regardless got a little bit of a lotto ticket that's what it is yeah I exactly think, you know when you saw the haul that they got for chapman and miller and don't forget everybody else that was trading i mean the prices it, it was definitely a seller's market and the sellers made out very well for themselves but when you saw the the returns for everybody else. I think you were underwhelmed by Beltran, but you know, the number four overall pick last year, that's a kid that needs some seasoning. That's a kid that still be worked with. Uh, I know he has an ERA North of five, but you know, the stats don't really matter at that age. Uh, some say he has the stuff. He has three pitches. He has the stuff to be top rotation or that he'll end up in the bullpen. So basically they know as much as we do right now. Fact of the matter is if you have good player development, maybe you turn him into a player or you rebuild him enough that he could be, you know, the second or third guy in a trade later down the road. I love those terms, those terms from like baseball people to make the rest of us feel like idiots. They're like, yeah, you know, player development. Yeah, you don't know anything about that. You're a schlub on your couch picking your ass. You don't know about player development. I wouldn't know the first thing to say to a baseball player if I saw him struggling on the field. I, I, I would just be resigned to do what I do on the couch where I curse, where I just scream and curse. And I know that probably crushes their confidence because they're still children. So, um, you know, I'm the last one to ask about player development. Hopefully the Yankees know uh, since they're a baseball organization. I, I hope that they know how to actually make these guys better players and uh, get them through the pipeline, you know, in one piece. So. But uh, outside of the trades, which have all been great, like we talked about, there's also rumors now that, uh, you know, you've, you've heard the rumors about Teixeira and A-Rod being cut this year, which mm-hmm. I don't understand the Teixeira part because he's done at the end of the year. What's the point? Just keep him there. But mm-hmm. this A-Rod one, I didn't think would happen this year either because it's just he's sort of a leader in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, all that that good cheesy shit. But I'm yes. just reading here in the Daily News that was uh, – let's see. This was published eh, I'd say about a half hour ago um, that they – there's a source. The Oh, there is a source. And there's one other trade we forgot to talk about, but we'll talk about that in a minute. That A-Rod uh, may be gone this year. Did you hear about this, Simon? Uh, yes. Uh, it makes sense to cut him. I mean, what's he here for? And don't give me this, you know, he's a good leader. He's a good buddy. <laughs> I mean, like he can't play anywhere. He can't do anything. <laughs> he, and also that's Girardi setting him up for failure too, because you bench him for a week and then you throw him right, in the right. cleanup and then he strikes out four times. But, uh, I would cut a rod, uh, cause it's, he's just taking up 
broom at this point. Teixeira I wouldn't cut. Teixeira I would keep playing because they have no backup first base. Exactly. You have, like, fucking Ike Davis in AAA. Bird is theoretically taking over next year, so there's already the successor. I, I, I don't really get what purpose cutting Teixeira would, you know, just to, uh, except to appease stupid people. Oh, we want them all gone. Trade them all. Shoot them. You know. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely started to get to that point. Like before the trade deadline today at four o'clock, there was like, come on, get rid of this guy. Get rid of this guy. Then everyone, you could, you could see some people really going for the idea of getting rid of, get rid of everyone on this team. You know, some people they have to play the game. Uh, they wanted every pitcher gone. I saw some people trade the entire rotation. It's Relax. But here, here's Girardi uh, about that A-Rod thing. He says, quote, I'm not too sure there won't be other things done during the course of this week, too. And then people, uh, the Yankee beat reporters asked if other things alluded to possibly making a move with Rodriguez. Girardi quickly clarified to say, I'm not talking about that. Obviously, we called up two players really quickly when I said that. That's not what I meant. So uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe Joe. Oh, Joe's feisty. <laughs> so. I, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what he meant by his first statement. Maybe he uh, spoke a little too soon. I don't, I'm not sure. It's funny because Girardi usually uh, he's very tight lipped. Oh, very much. So. He's uh, I'm surprised he would say anything like that to begin with. But I, I think they're going to cut a rod at some point. Some people think that they're going to hold on to him to hit his 700 home run as if anybody like I, still gives a shit. I don't. That, exactly. That's not even a milestone. You're not even like passing anybody. I, that, 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 and also they bench him all the time. How is he supposed to even hit <laughs> home runs? And gets one at bat a month. I mean, even the biggest A-Rod fan, I mean, are you really that excited if he hits 700 home runs? I mean, really, is that really something to be like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you said, what what is it doing? It's those round numbers, fam. They yeah. bring people in the seats. I, I know, like everybody's going to start packing the stadium all of a sudden to see like number 700. It even sounds weird. It doesn't even roll off the tongue. No, it's it like, doesn't. 700 club. Michael K. Oh, wait, no, Pat Robertson. Wait, that is a thing. Never mind. Um Michael K can say the stadium is alive. Yes, he's A Rod's going for seven hundred. You know, that would be just the same oh, yeah, amount of people there. K. K lost it. I'm not a, actually a K hater because he used to have some good calls, but uh, he really killed it with Jeter's walk off hit in his oh. final game. Yeah. We're fantasy because reality. <laughs> I mean, that was that was so bad. Did you have please. any doubt? <laughs> I, I I really just want the Yankees to never have a milestone moment again while he's behind the mic. I thought he once I saw Jeter, uh, you know, it's score it hit get that hit and then the RBI scored. They won the game. I knew he was going to come up with something just cringeworthy, and he did it. He went beyond my expectations. Actually, it was just but that, that that was rehearsed though. There's no way that he came up with that on the spot. That's true. You're right. Some of them, some of his older calls, like oh one World Series, you know, see ya, see ya. You could tell there was genuine emotion. It was he was caught up in the moment. It was. Where, what he had been waiting for as an announcer, but like that last one, that was so bad, you know. And I, I don't want him to say anything for for Rodriguez's seven hundred. But while there's like four people in the stands, like no just footnote. footnote I uh, I didn't hear uh, the call, but I saw somebody tweet it today. Somebody called uh, Mike Francesa to say, "I was a Mets, I was a Yankees fan, but now I'm a Mets fan because I hate Michael K." Oh, man, you picked the worst time to become a Yankee fan, yeah. buddy. <laughs> imagine, but imagine hating Michael K so much that you, you stopped rooting for the team. That's that's a bit much. You could just put mute on. Uh, and the other the other trade I was alluding to that we didn't talk about was our old friend Ivan Nova. Uh, I mean, you know, Ivan, who was once uh, self-declared the greatest pitcher in the world. 
uh, traded for the always popular player to be named – two players to be named later. Uh, will you miss Ivan Nova? Um, no, I don't think his landlords are going to miss him either. Yeah, Wasn't he like shit shitting on the floor or something? <laughs> Yo, that's a thing. Same thing at Des Bryant's house. There's shit everywhere. Do these people well, not – People not, it has, what is with these people in shit? It's I'm anything. assuming it has to be animal shit. Like, why wouldn't you go in a toilet? I don't care how Can rich you Can you just be that arrogant and you have that much money that you could just, like, shit on the floor? I don't know. I would love to get to that position in life. I, I'm not even hating. Don't get me wrong. Imagine just getting up from the chair and just going, ah, oh, man, I'm rich. <laughs> right here. <laughs> I do actually have um, an opinion on this trade, and it's less about Nova, screw Nova, who cares? The Pittsburgh Pirates are an absolute disgrace of an organization. They traded two of their top 10 prospects, along with Liriano, Francisco Liriano, to the Toronto Blue Jays just to shed $15 million in salary. I mean, if you think the Steinbrenners are bad, you don't know what bad is. People don't know what bad ownership is. They actually traded two of their prospects just to save money. This is like somebody sitting at a dinner table with you and asking for a separate check. It's insulting. If I were the Blue Jays, I would have said just, just – Keep the prospects, bud. Just, just give us. The, we'll take Liriano's money. This, this that is, is weak. That is, that is weak. And you wonder for why, for the longest time, they never competed. And um, they ne- maybe they, they sort of like hit like the, their you peak see now. The Penguins and the Steelers just dominating shit, winning a championship every other year. And you're sitting here like pinching pennies, winning the cheese dicks, second wild card, losing the game, <laughs> cutting more salary. They're an abomination. And that's after all the money they collected. From revenue sharing, um, I remember Deadspin exactly. had that article a few years back. I think they, they had collected thirty million in revenue sharing over the last couple, of, uh, over a span of five years or something. They're they're horrible, but they have Nova, so you know. Yeah, that's that that should be good. Ivan Nova, you want to you want to feel old? Ivan Ivan Nova has been in the New York Yankees uh, system since two thousand four. Oh, that's right. I saw something about that on Twitter. Now Gardner is the longest tenured homegrown Yankee. That's that's amazing to think about. That is. Yeah, yeah. He was an international free agent signing, I guess. What year? What year did Nova come up? Two thousand ten. Uh, that's uh, was he may have he may have contributed to two thousand nine. Why do I feel that? Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. No. Uh, is there anybody else that you would have traded on the Yanks today? Uh. You know, I mean, I would have liked to pro- – man, I, I looked at Evaldi, but again, who's, who's going to want that? And then we're at the certain point, you're just decimating the entire pitching staff just to do it. Um, would you I, Would you have thrown – would you have cast the bait on Tanaka? Uh, I don't know who would pick that up. That's a I large think, I think contract. Because he he, you saw – Who's going to take that? Rich Hill was the best pitcher on the market. Rich Hill hasn't thrown 100 innings his whole career. I, I mean, Tanaka would have been clearly far and away the best starting pitcher on the market. And I'm not saying that they would have had to trade him. They don't have that. But because he has the opt out next year and he's probably going to opt out as long as he's healthy. I, I'm, I'm wondering if they could have gotten a small ransom for Tanaka. We'll never know. Yeah. But, uh, I was surprised that they were so opposed to actually even putting his name out there. Yeah, you never heard his name. The McCann deals you heard going back to uh, Atlanta, those died down. And you heard for a while Nova to, Mar- to Florida, uh, Miami, but uh, that fell apart. And then out of nowhere, uh, right towards the end of the, the trade deadline, he was he was dealt to Pittsburgh. So this is the New York Yankees. Now, um, are, are you excited about the rest of the season, Simon? I'm still excited just because I love baseball and I love the Yanks. And I'm hoping that we see some guys, uh, aforementioned Judge, Tyler Austin, uh, we might see um, some of the pitchers from down there. 
you'll you'll see some guys in September that will contribute to the future, and uh, that'll be something to look forward to. Um, I also think that they still have some talent to evaluate going forward. I mean, people still talk about Pineda, Valdi. They still have another year left. Uh, maybe they get it together because they have the stuff. They have. They have it there. Uh, it's, yeah, but it's, it's so erratic, both of those It's, it's so erratic for the both of them. I, I feel like one of them could still be something. More so Evaldi, because he started throwing a splitter a little bit more. Right. Um, Pineda feels like very uncoachable, unteachable. He's got like bad body language. I know this sounds like a stuffy old white guy like analysis, but... You know, like anytime, like no, he totally he does though. He totally, I'm sorry, to interrupt you. He totally does though. He has that like, he he just he he puts his hands on his hips. He looks like a big ostrich. Like when he gives up a home <laughs> run, he's just sort of with those long ass legs, just angry. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm not saying he's lazy in his preparation. I feel like he's lazy on the mound sometimes. He'll throw a great pitch and then he'll just be like, eh, I don't really want to put a lot of effort in this. I'm just gonna throw a fastball right down the middle. Boom. Goodbye. Yeah, there's been a lot of mistake pitches, and he's always like – he's the only one in the stadium who's ever befuddled that it traveled 450 feet. He's like, oh, how did I do that? Actually, yeah, you like, know what? Ivan Nova was another one like that. He was another one who pitched like shit and then was completely perplexed when Girardi would come out there and be like, uh, you're 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 done. Him and Pineda are both like, what are you talking about? Come on. It's seven runs I gave up. Why are you taking me out here? I'm a good pitcher. I mean, I guess when you're an athlete, you always believe in your ability <laughs> more than anybody else. Yeah, but, don't give me that cliche bullshit like that, for that, though, <laughs> for seven runs. But there is, like, bad body language. There's, like, the throwing the teammates under the bus with the dirty looks. After, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, like, stuff like that. I, I think he's less salvageable. And I know everybody's going to talk about, oh, well, he's got a low walk rate and he strikes out a lot of batters, which is good stuff. But after so many years, I, I mean, if you're still – have an ERA north of six. I mean, what good is it? You know, you have nice peripherals and nothing else. I still think Evaldi might somewhat be salvageable, and I'm hoping that he can take somewhat of a next step, maybe in low pressure games uh, from now until the end of the season. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I can't get crazy about either of those two just because they are uh, they are what they are when they mean when they say good stuff. They have good stuff, and every guy I hear that has good stuff that that's their, their attribute, it means uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I guess because they have good stuff. So who the hell knows? Um, the Mets quickly picked up uh, Jay Bruce today. It almost didn't happen because uh, medical doctors are trying to do a little okey doke with some prospects. Uh, so I don't That's think- right. They held Nemo out of the Brandon Nemo out of the deal, and they sent them Dilson Herrera, which I know Mets Twitter was upset about. Well, that just another day. Mets Twitter not happy about something. So <laughs> you're you're not wrong. Yeah, Jay Bruce. I don't ever trust anyone with two first names. So <sighs> watch out for him. He's probably got bodies in his basement. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 I Francesca said I don't know if it's enough for them, and I, I kind of side with him. I mean, it's a good addition, but that. Uh, I, I don't know if that's enough to really get them back in it because let's in reality, I mean, the Mets are still living off that first like two, three weeks of the season. They have really haven't been that good. They have not been. Uh, well, their, their offense is almost historically terrible at this point yeah. uh, with runners in scoring position. Uh, they're due to have a lower uh, risk average than the 1969 San Diego Padres. <laughs> I wasn't around Very for that. Very good. That was good. I've been told that they were really bad with runners in scoring position. Um, I think Brucey Hill hit a few bombs, though. Um, he's not good defensively. He's like one of those big lumbering ox guys that kind of just mashes. He's like Adam Dunn. Right, um, right. Some less strikeouts. Uh, they need power. You need to do something. I don't mind them forcing the issue a lot because I think the worst thing you could do if you're a team like the Mets that's like right in between is it, the worst thing to do is just kind of sit there and do nothing. Um, Dilson Herrera. 
I mean, you know, they'll survive. Um, but to go for it just for one more year, uh, while they still have this little band together, I, I don't, I don't mind the move. I don't think it's going to be what Cespedes was last year. Cause Cespedes was so unreal. And also that coincided with Conforto coming up and he was tearing the cover off the ball the second half of last season. You know, th- there was like a lot that went right just besides Cespedes. But I think the Mets are just a little banged up now. They have too many guys that are hurt, even if it's just nagging injuries, like the one as Drupal Cabrera got yesterday or the more long-term ones. Like Harvey, um, I, I don't think they have the horses, but I also admire them for actually going out and doing something as opposed to just yeah. sitting on their hands. I had a feeling which, they were going to do nothing. Yeah, which would be very typical of the Will Ponds. You know, so. I, I think it's hard when they actually go out and make an acquisition, make a trade, you know, add some extra payroll. It's tough to kill them only because they didn't for so long. All right, Simon. Well, you know, we've talked about the baseball going on right now. And in New York, obviously, these two teams are going nowhere, shit straight into the ground, and we can't enjoy it. But, you know, there's an old baseball movie that a lot of us enjoy that uh, you told me that you do not enjoy. And people are probably going to roll their eyes and may scream at uh, others when they hear this. But you are not a fan of the movie The Sandlot. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. So have you, have you always not been a fan of the Sandlot? You know, I'm a little sick and fatigued by this 90s nostalgia from people my age. I'm sick of overrating things that were okay, but certainly weren't great. Every time you go to a bar, you see some fat 28-year-old in flip-flops and a You're Killing Me Smalls t-shirt that they bought at Target, like they're the first one to own it. Um people overly quote the movie it's it's not good it's not even a top 10 baseball movie it's not a top 10 kids movie it's just there i don't know why people love it so much i think they like it when the kid makes out with the lifeguard at the pool oh you mean wendy peppercorn wendy peppercorn yeah when the kid like uh i think that's sexual assault i don't even know if you could do that anymore oh no people would be very very upset about that they'd be storming the theaters with signs and all sorts of all sorts of snarky tweets and oh god the shaming the retweet shaming the retweet shaming that would go on for poor what's that kid's name squints squints yeah squints uh it was it was just never my movie i liked it it was okay but also that was like one of those i don't know what was going on during that era where dennis leary was in everything where he kind of like, plays the, <laughs> he like plays the prick dad with the side part the, like the stepdad i was just gonna get this listen i do not hate the movie like you do i will say this uh it has not aged well with me uh, I did like it when I was a kid, but now I look back and the corniness that was the movie does not resonate in a good way with me. And the first thing I was just going to jump into there is exactly uh, Dennis Leary, who at the time really was just doing raunchy shit, raunchy comedy, you know, excessive smoking nonstop. And he plays like this, not mean, but sort of like gruff. Uh, stepdad that just does not fit his role for what was going on. I mean, he's talking about doing violating Cindy Crawford and whatnot and MTV ads. And now all of a sudden he's a stepdad trying to be nice to this loser kid. Yeah, that, that was not in his wheelhouse at all. Uh, I don't think he got too much uh, screen time. How'd they get Wasn't James Earl Jones? Yes, like he the was. Old guy? Yes. How did they? How did they? How did they get these people on the payroll for this movie? I don't get it. You had. <laughs> you're gonna play the blind old black guy, and you're gonna have the one with the knowledge, and you're gonna teach all the kids about baseball. Um, what, what happened to the ball at the end of the movie? I don't even remember the Babe Ruth ball. Ah, uh, the ball. Um. Okay, so the dog took the ball, and the dog, which I still never even understood as a kid, the dog 
was in all of their imaginations a really big dog, but then they saw the dog at the end and it was really small, but they had just run from the dog. Which, oh. It was a very fucking weird uh, idea. Yeah. So, and I remember, and not to, not to sound like a uh, strange person, but because I've heard plenty of people say this, it, there is an there is a shot in the movie where the dog's balls are right in the camera, and it sort of becomes a uh, a rallying cry. That was probably the best part of the movie, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it, I mean, it was not a rallying cry. Dog totally made balls. That I also hate, uh, not to get into a whole bunch of things I hate, because then we'll be doing this for three hours, but uh, that was also like a very popular time for like 1950s coming-of-age comedies. Right, right. They're so fucking cliche. I hate stuff like that. I hate like Billy Crystal, I grew up in Brooklyn, played stickball, like kind of comedy. And that's what this falls into. And it like bothers me enormously. I hate anything from that era. I hate timepieces that that, that 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 glorify like innocuous childhood. And that's another reason I hate the movie. It's it's it's, it's just it, it's basically a pile of vomit inducing crap. And if you want to go watch a good baseball movie, go watch Mr. Baseball. Why doesn't anybody like that movie? Uh, that was a hysterical movie with Tom Selleck where he's like an aging star and he goes to Japan. Do you, have you ever seen that? Confession. I've never seen that movie. I know of the movie. I've never seen it. It's good. It's on cable like five times like a day. You'll, you'll find it sometime. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah. So uh, what, what was there? I was going to make another comment about the Sandlot. Did you like the end when they fast forward and Squints has become the announcer and Benny the Jet Rodriguez is now pl- uh, being a pinch runner for the Dodgers? Did you did you like that coming of age ending to uh, this I, timeless classic? I know that happens all the time where you become like the, the, the announcer, where you're, you and your buddy become the announcer and player of an iconic <laughs> franchise. I like Benny Rodriguez's weird like pedophile mustache. Oh, yeah. Total pervy. He, he, he was, they were trying to go for like a Keith Hernandez thing there, you know, he's, he, he looks up at the booth and gives him a thumbs up. Like, how weird would that be? Like, imagine if Jeter had done that after his last hit to Michael K. Like, hey, <laughs> so weird. Oh, Smalls my... is still wearing the stupid, dirty hat. That how does that 11. fit him? I don't, I don't go. <laughs> is it adjustable? I don't know what was going on. Why would you be wearing that same dirty hat? Aren't you on TV or something? Like, I, isn't the camera going to catch you? Yeah, why would you be wearing a hat at all, most likely? I mean, the only people who could probably get away with that was like Bob Euchre or Harry Carey or something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it because there was no like <laughs> totally cell phones yeah. or like anything back then. Maybe you could get away. I mean, think about it. Like Rizzuto used to leave in the bottom of the ninth because there was like no post game. There was no anything. He would just jump on the bridge and like. So maybe there was a time where you could like wear a disgusting putrid hat during a baseball game, you know, while you were calling it. But I, I'm That's gonna call bullshit true. on that. Usually back then, yeah, with Rizzuto and uh, Roy White and was it Roy? Bill White? Uh, yeah, the only the only time you ever saw them was in the beginning of the game, and they just said hi, welcome, and then you never really saw them again. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine like John and Sue's like wearing their Sunday worst to the ballpark and then, you know, leaving like in the ninth inning. Imagine if they were in, in, the, in the booth actually wearing like the bullpen jackets and everything, those satin ones. Like, you know, the- oh, the ones. Oh, yeah. Those ones with like the big Yankees and script across it <laughs> that you see like old men wearing like when you're out like at the mall or something. And just like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. That, that choice there. They probably should have gone out in public in that one. I think I think John should wear like that that hat that the press people used to wear. They used to put the little card in it that said press. <laughs> press. <laughs> yeah, I could see, I could see him pulling that off. Yeah, Susan, Susan, she could like rock the trench coat and like the, the little the little press placard on top of her hat. I could see that. I could see that. All right, Simon. Uh, I think that's about it. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I get ready for some hate about Sandlot. I can tell you that right now because you are that's something that belongs in the, the Smithsonian and you just trashed it to death. 
it, it was my absolute pleasure. To, I used that word way too much tonight. I said absolute, absolute, but it was my pleasure to do so. <laughs> All right, Simon, thank you very much for coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. There he is, Simon from Yonkers. And remember, uh, send any hate to him on Twitter regarding Sandlot or anything else at S-M-A-R-Q-S Marks. That is his Twitter name. So hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, Simon always brings a uh, interesting uh, comedic edge to the podcast that, that I can't bring. It's it's a Smarks brand that is truly individual. So hope everyone enjoyed that. Later on this week in the Thursday Talk edition, we will have a big guest. They're all big guests, but uh, legendary sports writer for the Boston Globe, Bob Ryan, will be on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. So be sure to listen to that where can you listen to it, you idiot? Uh, I apologize. It's on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. And if you didn't know that by now, then now you know. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss any of those episodes, all right? And leave a review if, you, uh, if you're a nice person. If you're not, you're not. Anyways, with all that being said, I'm out of here.